America's symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, the greatest professional wrestler of all time, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, Conrad Thompson, glad to be back in the My World saddle. Man, June is upon us. We got anniversaries coming up, June 19th. We got your birthday. Your birthday is, wait, so this drops. Well, yeah, yeah, so anyway, it's it's upon us. Uh, we've got a couple, I mean, there's all kinds of dates coming up. I mean. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's, talk, let's, okay. let's, let's talk about what happened this past weekend. Oh, man. Folks, so excited. Little disclaimer, little disclaimer, Conrad. Uh, before we rolled, he's ornery today. In a little bit, when you say you're a little ornery about well, a couple, no, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm ornery. I'm glad that Aubrey Edwards finally got her comeuppance. Karen Jarrett beat her clean in the middle with the stroke. Yep, we've been pretty um, clear about the way we feel about Aubrey Edwards, without yes. question, without hesitation. We're not playing around. This is not a joke. Aubrey Edwards is the most annoying character in the history of wrestling on television. I'm talking about in the history. And I was glad to see that Karen Jarrett nailed that stroke as only she could. Yep. Clean in the middle, hook the leg, one, two, three. That was all she wrote. Aubrey Edwards counting the lights. I'm so glad to see the most annoying person in the history of wrestling on television get her comeuppance this past week on Rampage. Conrad, I got a bone to pick with you. Just a little bit, though. I disagree with you vehemently in one way. Okay. You said character. Oh, she's just a bad person. Oh, through and through, 100%. She wakes up in the morning a bad person, annoying, diva, drama queen, and goes to bed. When she gets in the ring, maybe that's a character. But she's 100% of every fabric in her body, a bad human being, you know, Jeff, here's the thing about you. You know, I, I have to admit, uh, I warmed up to you. Like <laughs> I used to refer to you as the human fast forward button because I hated you. Now it turns out I hated your character. Then I met the real you and I found out the content of your real character. Now you're one of my best friends. I have no interest in getting to know Aubrey Edwards. <laughs> I have decided that she is a terrible person. She is the most annoying person. And I never want to see her on my television screen ever, ever again. I hope that we can get her and Karen Jarrett on pay-per-view in a loser leaves wrestling, not just AEW. Ooh, just wow. Get out of the profession completely. Go back to ballet and tap dance that ass right on out of AEW. I'm over it. And I'm so glad that it all comes to a head tomorrow night. I can't yeah. believe this is real, but 44 years after the original concession stand brawl that went down in june of 79 you are taking mark briscoe to the woodshed a concession stand brawl listen he thinks he's hardcore he did a little dog collar here or there your family created hardcore and it was all born out of a concession stand brawl we're getting back to our roots and don't even get me started on your record in chicago oh jeff jarrett he is mr SummerSlam. Let's just call him Mr. Chicago too. He whooped Mabel's big tired ass in Chicago. He won the WCW world title in Chicago. He beat Kurt Angle in the biggest TNA show of all time in Chicago. How dare he think he can even lace your boots up 
in Chicago in the concession stand brawl, I think he's in for a forfeit. I think he ain't going to sack up. I think he's going to call in sick. I don't see it happening, Jeff. Folks, we sure enjoyed you uh, joining us today here at my world. It's a wrap. Conrad, you are on fire today, my man. On fire. Who are these people? Do they not know that this ain't even, listen, but do we even need to go into when you take off the black hat and you put on the baseball hat, you're helping choose baseball, break new records every time they turn around. Like, is there anything you can't do? Your wife is, 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 is fixing the wrongs of AEW officiating. You're running the Briscoes out of wrestling forever. And you got shoes, baseball popping. Is there anything you can't do? Oh, Conrad, speaking of shoes, baseball, I need a couple extra guitars. Boy, I wish I would have had you at the ballpark last Thursday and Friday. If any of the park district would have been around, all I had to do to have gone over and say, Conrad, there's a gentleman over there. He's It runs the park district. Just take this guitar. I don't need a stand-up double. I don't need a, a, a dinker over in, in left center. I need you to cl- clean it completely out of the yard. Gray, there you go. Pointing. Yes, sir. Pointing to left. Crank that boy out. Yeah, the Park District, they're going to get them some Conrad Thompson one way or another. So we're having a little issue with them, but we're going to we're gonna get things straightened out. Um, you know, kidding aside, they own the venue, and we're, we're kind of, look, at, we want it. Conrad, you've taught me a lot of things in business, but a collaborative effort. We just want to get everybody to the table. That's it. Just everybody at the table and kind of work through the issues that we have going on right now. But, uh, man, the branding, it feels so good, Conrad. Uh, this is our second season. It's kicked off. Mr. Bischoff was there at opening night, and uh, the attendance is fantastic. The ball team, I think we've had six home games, Conrad. We've had four walk-off wins. Lots of great buzz. Um we had uh, military appreciation night, saving second base. You ever heard that kind of promotion, Conrad? It's breast cancer awareness. It's oh, saving, that's cool. Yeah, saving second base. Uh, all you can eat night. We've had all kind of promotions. So yeah, the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes is uh, rocking and rolling. Um, the branding, the merch, and everything goes with it. We just kind of have to figure things out as we navigate our our way through. So any uh. Central Illinois folks uh, that may be listening to this, um, I need some help. I'm just going to call on that. Need some help. We got to kind of navigate our way. Some taxpayers' dollars are going to a stadium, and I just don't see the uh, facilities uh, getting some love to it. But anyway, that's for another day, Conrad. Uh, WrestleQuest, the Podfather, August 8th, live and in living color. Conrad Thompson is in a video game. What in the world? I mean, yeah. I don't even know how that's possible. And I don't know how it's possible this weekend. Of course, we've got uh, rampage on Friday on yeah. Saturday. It's another collision. That's right. There is another AEW show in prime time and CM Punk is back. What'd you think on, on Just, Sunday? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I guess I forbidden seen. door. You know, listen, you and I are wrestling junkies. You watch more wrestling than anybody I know. And when you talk about dream matches, Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega was considered a dream match. It's happened once before. The rematch happens on American pay-per-view this Sunday night. A real-life dream match, though, one that I don't think we ever anticipated. Okada versus Brian Danielson. It happens this weekend. How about MJF and Tanahashi and so much more? It's all happening at Forbidden Door. And it just so happens to be top guy weekend, Jeff. Yeah, buddy. 
and you and I have some things up our sleeve, but one thing we know for sure, and I'm not even sure you're caught up on this. You know, we're cutting Eric Bischoff's hair this weekend. Oh boy. My man Eric Bischoff ran his mouth and he said that AEW doesn't have their stuff together. It's a clown show. CM Punk is never coming back. And I was trying to make a spot transition to our great sponsor, Henson razors. And I jokingly said, would you be willing to shave your head with a Henson razor? If CM Punk shows up at the pay-per-view this weekend or at the collision debut on June 17th. And he thought about it and said, I will, if you will. And I thought, well, I know he's going to be there. It's Chicago. Of course. Eric took the bait. I gave him an opportunity to back out the next week. He doubled down and now we're donating all the proceeds to St. Jude's. Here's what I mean. I was supposed to shave Eric's head. He lost CM Punk showed up. I am not doing it. I'm allowing you the chance to do it. All you need to do is make a donation right now at cutericshair.com. That's cutericshair.com. And then when you make that donation to St. Jude's, take a screenshot. Once you've made your donation, post it to social using the hashtag cut Eric's hair. We'll find it. And the, the highest donor gets to come to Huntsville this weekend. We're going to hand you the shears and you're going to cut Eric Bischoff's head. You're going to cut all of his hair off. It's happened in WCW. It's happened in the WWE. It's happened in impact. And now it's going to happen at top guy weekend and your hands can be on the shears. It's cut I can't believe this is really happening. And it's all in the same week, Jeff. Yeah, that's I, I, when I heard about all this and I didn't know about the double down, you gave him an opportunity. I just I, say, I don't follow it. What's the spot transition. It's like, Hey man, this, you made a bad bet. Let me let you out of this thing. And he double, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love Eric's going all in. Um, pardon the pun. How about well, the hair, the hair's coming all off? That's all what's off. Yes. Not all out, all off. Top guy weekend. Looking forward to it, my man. Looking forward to it in so many ways. Uh, Hey, but, um, Collision, I want to hear your expert opinion, just in, in 30 seconds or less, 60 seconds. I, I watched the show. Um, I, I don't normally watch all the shows live. I try to DVR the shows. I watch the stuff I enjoy. I fast forward the stuff I don't enjoy. I'm not saying that's how you should consume wrestling, but I am saying if you think every time you log into Twitter, you need to tell everybody what you didn't like, you do us all a favor to just DVR it and tell us about the stuff you do like. There you go. I, I would like social media a lot better that way. Anyway, I watched this one live because I was curious, is it going to look different? Is it going to feel different? And are they going to start the show with CM Punk with a microphone in his hand? Because I want to see all those things. And of course, I had to see my brother-in-law go in there and steal the show. I thought the show looked and felt big time. I think the production crew, I don't know what all investment went into it, but I could tell it felt like production was leveled up even more. I love the way the show was lit. I love the big stage. It just felt big time. It felt prime time. It felt substantial. How could you not love that Tony licensed yet another amazing song? And the punk promo was great. The main event was fun. Loved your promo. And I was especially proud to see Andrade El Idolo back in there doing what he does best. Couldn't believe the finish on that one. Uh, it was a fun show, man. It flew right by. A lot of times two hour and certainly three hour shows can feel like a chore to get through. This was not one of those for me. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to this weekend's collision too. I love it. I'll just say this and we'll get on with our topic because uh, got us a slam anniversary to talk about, but you know what, Conrad, as we have said many, many times on the program, creative 
is subjective. Wrestling yes. is subjective. Wrestling is some folks don't like to call it art, but it, you know, r- professional wrestling is professional wrestling. But one thing that's a shoot brother. No, one thing that to me is as real as it's get as it gets is that when there's a new show and a new set and man, it did, it looked off the charts. Good. I think it looked more impressive there in the building. Yes. It looked great on TV, but live it was God, it, it just unbelievably awesome. And the vibe and the United center, one of my favorite venues all the time, but yes, we're scripted uh, entertainment, but something that was real in the air that I love in professional wrestling is the competitive juices have turned up a notch in AEW. And I think that is an absolute great thing. And I'm, I'm not talking about any one thing. It is when you have two hours on Wednesday night, now two hours on Saturday night, uh, there is a, there's a bit of a competitive nature, uh, within the brand. And I think, the old saying rising tide lifts all ships. I think it's going to help both shows. I'll just say that. So I'm pumped, man. I am so excited for collision to get off the ground and keep on rolling. You don't always bat a thousand, but, um, uh, out of the gate, I thought, uh, I thought collision knocked it out of the park. Kudos to all the in ring dudes who laced it up and gals. Uh, yeah, your man, uh, Andrade, um, I whipped his ass last summer with your old man. So I beat up everybody in your family a couple of times, but, uh, you ever beat up my, uh, my other brother-in-law. Did you ever beat up David flair? Of course. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> I, think, I think all that's left for you to take out is, uh, me and Megan and Ashley. Right? I mean, Charlotte, right? Well, I'm not going to touch Charlotte, get- and I'm not going to talk, uh, t- touch big layer. No. No, that's on that side. I didn't think you were coming for my side too. Like, leave Larry alone, damn it! <laughs> my God, at G's. I'd, I'd never touch Larry. So, I mean, but you did. You did get Corey. You did get Cat. Even my friends aren't safe. Uh, look out! Uh, if somebody puts a waiver in front of you this weekend at Top Guy Weekend, think twice about signing it. Let me just say that. Oh, a little retaliation. Uh, not you. I'm just saying hypothetically. Oh. If somebody's like, Hey Jeff, I've always, cause we get people who ask that all the time. Can you smash me with a guitar? Yes. Think about how silly that is. You don't want that. You, you don't want that. Like people, people have, I mean, ask Jake how getting hit over the guitar works out. It don't always go your way. Conrad, funny I'll, story, but it's already cut you off as we're recording this folks. It's Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so last night was collision, uh, pulled up to the United center yesterday and I usually car service or whatever, but, uh, Yesterday I, I was in a rental and pulled up and a security guard was there and, uh, immediately he went into, and I'm like, no way. He said, I've been working Chicago events for 30 something, all this kind of stuff. So, um, he said, Hey, I've always kind of thought about this, Jeff. Do you think there's any way I could kind of get your contact information? And, 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 uh, I got a favor to ask and he sort of drug it out. And I said, well, what are you getting at? He said, Man, he said, my brother, he said, I think he would pay you to hit him with guitar. I said, okay, well, talk to my agent, Conrad Thompson. No, I didn't yeah. say that, but, but it was funny. He's, uh, I, he's been working United Center. He's uh, Allstate. Anyway, he's been working events forever. So You should start traveling with extras and just have a little sign that's got your cash app and your PayPal and all that, and you're good to go. 
God. Dawkins could get you like a boilerplate, you know. Oh, stop. Hold, hold harmless, you know, no problem. Get on right, with so the pal. Hey, let's talk about why we're here. Another anniversary. We talked about the uh, um, Tupelo. Tupelo Concession Stand Brawl. June 19th, 2002. So we're approaching 21 years. Yeah. As uh, as it drops tomorrow, or as people are listening to this, yesterday was the 21-year uh, anniversary of uh, the very first TNA show here in Huntsville. I watched it with Eric this week on 83 Weeks. I love it. I he, love had no, it. he had no idea that Buff Bagwell was there or Scott Hall or Rick Steiner. He was completely unplugged, had no idea. Oh, wow. Did he yeah. see what, flying episodes on episode one or not? Yep, they were. And and you, it's funny because the first guy who came to the ring to wrestle on that show, AJ Styles, the, the guy who lost, who took the pinfall in the first ever TNA match, AJ Styles, Jimmy Yang beat him as a part of that six man. It was AJ, Loki, and Jerry Lynn against Flying Elvises. Wow. And you know, Eric's a big Elvis fan, like to the point where his middle name is Aaron. He's named after Elvis. His mom named him. Aaron after Elvis. I did not know that. Instead of Elvis Aaron, it's Eric Aaron. So wow. yeah, he was pulling for old Jimmy Wayne Yang. <laughs> Let's talk about a uh, Slammiversary 2008. Uh, this is an interesting time in the company because you're getting lots of different quotes from uh, the media about the the growth pattern, including from the current TNA champion Samoa Joe. He's talking about things regarding Vince Russo quote. I think he honestly, in my opinion, gets an unfair bum rap. I think some of the segments that the fans have problems with, maybe Vince was not even necessarily involved with. There's been a few times this has happened. He's kind of like the human shield. And I think it's pretty unfortunate. I can guarantee about 70% of the stuff that fans think is Vince Russo. He really had nothing to do with. Kevin Nash is also going to be quoted in a newspaper, this one over in the UK. And he says, I think, think, I think the thing is they had a plan and they didn't want to grow too fast. They set modest goals along the way. Now they're in a position where they're going to make a profit, which is huge. So there's a lot of moving parts, especially in these early years of TNA. We're trying to cut deals. We're trying to grow. We're trying to bring in new talent. We're trying to expand licensing. We're trying to sell more tickets and pay-per-views and what have you. But the online fans are loud and proud about they don't like the booking here and there. And I guess what's old is new again. They're still doing that 15 years later about every program. But it was easy to have Russo as a scapegoat. But I'm wondering, is Kevin Nash right? Are you finally seeing in 08? We're going to make a profit with this thing. Oh, as far as the profitability, uh, you know, we've really gone into detail in the archives and a bunch of different ones. Um, is that when we got the spike deal, we got to sea level, um, not, not banking a lot of money, but that got us up to, um, uh, in the black, not a lot, but when we went to two hours, that's when the game completely changed. Uh, but yeah, so, so, um, yeah, we, we got to rocking and rolling and the profitability was a huge thing because look, 2000 into 2002, and now here we, you know, two hours and I think we're a couple of months removed from that. But, you know, October uh, of 07 is when you go to two hours. So it feels like that would have been when the profit starts to really come. So by 08, you're in the black for real, right? And th Maybe that's how we, oh, big time. And that's probably why, you know, the Kevin Nash's guys were getting bumps in pay. We were signing guys to bigger deal, even more long-term deals. 
uh, there were more dates. We had start to run uh, house shows and the, the international uh, content that we were creating, the programming that was being sold around the world, the video game deal, the uh, action figure, our licensing programming. Yes, things were really, you know, 09 was our best, most profitable year. So 08 was a very good year. You know, bonuses for office folks. It was, uh, it, it was, you know, uh, we weren't. I don't want to get too far out over our skis, but yes, it, it was good times. But uh, it, kind of talk about that online audience. By this time, we'd been in Orlando three years, four years, and you know that we had our, we'll call it our regulars. And yet, there was a, a period that Vince was look. If, if if anybody just mildly disliked it, which happens, the more successful anybody gets, the more hypercritical folks get. Uh, they feel it's their brand. And by this time, people had been DNA diehard, some of them for six years, some for five, some for four. But, you know, in Orlando, we had our faithful and anything that went wrong. Oh, Russo did it. Russo did it. And, you know, it was, I don't say a running joke it, within creative meetings, but it was it was well known that Vince, if anything went bad, <laughs> it was it was lumped on him. And the, the guy, the talent knew it. Joe, now, anybody that worked there knew that, you know, Vince had the things that he was responsible for. Dutch had his things he was responsible for and others. Um, and, you know, the talent collaborated on a lot of things as well. It's just interesting to me where, you know, people become scapegoats. And I don't know why that's a thing, but certainly the internet starts to form their opinion. And it's almost like if you don't actively police that narrative, that's just what it becomes. I'm not saying we've seen that on television in the last year or so, but I am saying we've seen that on television in the last year or so. Uh, the King of the Mountain match is the Slammiversary focal point. Um, Slammiversary is obviously one of your tentpole events. Why did you like the idea of making the King of the Mountain match the main attraction? What was it about that style of match that worked for you? Well, so kind of the alternative brand counter programming lockdown was our opposite of WrestleMania. Bound for Glory was kind of the old Halloween havoc. That was our biggest event of the year and promoted that way. Uh, but our anniversary show and through the years, Puerto Rico, Texas, I mean, in all of wrestling, you have those anniversary shows. So we wanted to create a match that, that, that was there. And obviously you want the world title in it, but you know, the single world title matches were essentially saved for lockdown, you know, and other monthlies, but certainly bound for glory. And so to so kind of create a signature match, that happened every year at Slammiversary. You could tell stories going in of it, but also you could definitely tell stories coming out of it. So create that um, a ten pole match to go with the ten pole event. We should also mention that um, Samoa Joe is going to be picking four wrestlers to give an opportunity to get in this main event attraction. Jim Cornette is the TNA Authority figure. He too is going to pick four wrestlers. Booker T is going to be cutting some promos here saying he's been with the company six months and he's yet to get a title shot. Of course, Kevin Nash and, and Samoa Joe have been, I don't know, uneasy, reluctant partners with one another on the program. And when it comes down to actually picking names, Nashville's a little double crossed that Joe announces Booker for that last spot, not Kevin Nash. Did you think Kevin Nash and Samoa Joe was going to be money down the line at some point? Certainly, a, a, I hate to say it, a one-off, but, you know, we're in the monthly during this era and uh, for the existence telling episodic stories, but with monthly payoffs. 
And so certainly Kevin and Joe, Kevin can talk, uh, Joe can talk. And it was, uh, again, I just kind of referenced that as far as the king of the mountain, just kind of weaving A stories and B stories and C stories and things that will branch off. But yeah, we were eventually going to go to a Kevin Joe. They had a, a real life uh, friendship and um, again, telling stories. Everything's a story. I had that conversation. I won't get into it, but uh, life is a story. So it was, yes, we were using the Nash Joe story to kind of launch other ones as well. Talk to me a little bit about uh, Kevin Nash and Jim Cornette. Cornette's been pretty outspoken about how he was not a fan of Kevin Nash. I mean, he used to go trash him on WWE TV when they were doing those scripted quote unquote shoot promos in 97. And then obviously, you know, once all the dust settles, he's doing a bunch of shoot interviews where he's talking about Kevin Nash being this or that or whatever, always critical of Nash. How did they get along in a professional capacity to the best of your knowledge? (laughs) And it's, I guess, you know, in one way, Conrad, it's almost, it's not silly that you asked that, but I get, I mean, it's business. Um, That's right. Well, I just wanted to say that because, you know, these days it feels like a lot of people, when you say something, boy, they just can't get over it. And it, look, it's not just in wrestling. Think about whatever news station, MSNBC, CNN, Fox news, uh, local news, school boards, uh, city councils, everything is hyper reactive. One statement made and it's like, oh my God, that person should die today because they said that. It's like, hey, folks, you, you're going to have to all, you know, listen to others' opinions. And I know you don't like to hear this word, folks, but you kind of have to respect it as well. When maybe you don't, maybe you do, but you're going to have to live with it. Um, it. It's just kind of amazing. But look, at the end of the day, I don't have to tell you uh, Kevin Nash's mentality. Um, it's not called show friends. It's called show business. You know, he That's loves right. that. And Cornette, um, I mean, from the days of him being a photographer, he made money uh, literally day one because he looked at the industry as a business and worked for my father and Jerry Lawler. Then he worked with the cowboy Bill Watts. You know, it's a business. You don't have to love each other. You don't have to like each other. You really don't even have to socialize or get along. But when you come to work, why you don't want to all – row in the same direction because it's not it, it, it it's not necessarily because it's helping the other guy it's helping you because you're getting a paycheck from the same company oh boy but you did have to ask that conrad so uh yeah but Cornette and, and nash they came to work and did i mean you know we've talked about this many times and i knew Cornette got on nash from time to time and i'm sure Nash probably got on Cornette, but Russo and Cornette, philosophically, polar opposites. I don't yeah. think Nash and Cornette would, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say polar opposites from philosophical. Those guys, and that's kind of in the DNA. Those guys, they work together uh, and not just kind of one-off for a couple of years. So um, that's, again, business, but times have changed. The world has changed. Let's talk about what the world was talking about in TNA here. Mike today is going to do a sit down interview with sting. And we're certainly going to imply that sting's career might be coming to an end sooner rather than later. He's doing these interviews without the makeup, 
just with the glasses and a regular t-shirt. And tonight really goes throughout his whole career. He starts with Rick Bassman. He touches on Jim Helwig, who we know is eventually going to become the ultimate warrior. And Sting talks about how it was really Jerry Jarrett, who's the only one who took a chance and, and brought him in. And then on the second part of that interview that aired today brings up the fact that you haven't been on TV in almost a year and ask Sting straight up. If you two had been talking and Sting brings up the fact that you're missed in the company and he would never wish upon anyone, what you're going through with the loss of your wife and having to raise three daughters, three daughters and how much weight you've got on your shoulders here. And he brings up how he remembered you being the blonde haired kid running around the Jarrett house, being all goo goo eyed when sting and warrior showed up all jacked up. So we've talked about this a little bit, but this is one of the first times where we've discussed, uh, Jill's passing on TV and it's brought up by sting. Uh, was that something you were hesitant to allow to be part of a television program? Was there discussion about it? Or since it was the real deal, it's fair game to talk about. Talk me through that. I want to make sure I get my dates right. So October 2006, it was me versus Sting, career versus title. And uh, Sting said if he didn't win, he's, you know, he's leaving the business. He went off and was off TV. And, you know, that was a – very successful show by our standards. He won and I stepped away, uh, and, and did a promo that night that Jeremy Borash walked in and just said, Hey, let's roll tape. You're off TV. You've been a character on this show literally since day one. They're not going to see you because we didn't know how long I was literally going home to take care of business, Jill and the girls and, and life. And, you know, end of 06, there was so much going on business wise as well. Uh, spike and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so that was me going home. And um, so you can kind of put a pin in that. I was, we'll call it, you know, King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett was gone and not heard for. And, and you know, the, the program kept going. And creatively speaking, Sting's contract, coming up. We didn't know. I, I don't know exactly know if we knew he was going to resign or when exactly the date was, but, uh, it came up in creative and we kind of talked and we said, Hey, let's kind of give a retrospective sting and, and Mike today is so, this is one of those things that I think Mike, you know, the professor and play by play and calling dramatic, uh, action, all that he's very good at, but treating the business like a sport, or a human interest story or documentary, Mike, I mean, he does his research and, you know, Mike and, and sting. And I think in a lot of ways created magic and I, I don't want to get too, I mean, it was really, really good TV. Cause we started from when, when he broke in the business and then all the way up and uh, you know, it came up, well, we're going to cover Jeff because, you know, that was a big win uh, so to speak. And, 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 you know, so, it was agreed upon and, and I'm sure I don't remember specifics, but Vince and Dutch, you know, always, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's treat it. It is real. Let's treat reality. So to, to kind of leave me out of that interview, I think would have been, okay, that doesn't feel right. So, you know, that's how sting put it. And he remembers, uh, we chucked about chuckled about it not long ago. You know, the first time I ever met him Thanksgiving day, um, 1985, uh, you know, I was, 
uh, not, you know, this is when him and Jim came across country and, um, no, yeah, 85. Uh, that's the first time I met him. They were, you know, at that time, the two biggest human beings I'd ever seen in my entire life. They were so, they were monsters. Um, and that was my first impression. So all these years later for us to get to work together, but no, um, Stinger did that interview, uh, to build where we were going with him. You're doing some interviews, uh, at the time and you're talking about, you know, how you've been trying to get back in the saddle and getting back in the gym and you're getting the itch to return, but this time away has allowed you to, uh, realign some priorities and you described your personal situation as bringing you immeasurable pain, but professionally, it feels like it's hitting on all cylinders. Uh, you would even say, quote, really hitting on all cylinders. The idea being TV ratings are up. There's about to be a video game. There's international development. This is uh, an interesting time in your life because on the one hand, it's not what you ever would even wish on your worst enemy. And on the other, man, it feels to be in a good place for the first time in a long time. It's uh, a unique spot in the life of Jeff Jarrett. No. Oh, for sure. Conrad. And we've talked, you know, so Slammiversary 07 was less than a month after her pat Jill's passing. Uh, and so, you know, I didn't, I, I, I zero media, nothing. I, you know, I was just wearing my production cap, I, you know, I was at every event, but didn't, you know, no, no character didn't even wear the executive hat as far as promoting Slammiversary and didn't for a long time. When this Slammiversary rolled around, you know, we're about a year removed for it. I, I just, it, when the new year came around and how things were going and, and just kind of navigating every now and then Dutch or events would say, Hey, what do you think? And I'm like, and we're, things are rolling. Kurt is on a roll. Uh, it, you know, as far as talent, they didn't, Jeff Jarrett that wasn't needed at, at, at all, uh, on the card. Uh, and I was really into everything going on business wise. Uh, but you know, Slammiversary came around, we didn't want to just dive right off into it, but the, the seeds were being planted that I was going to, you know, step back into the ring. Uh, but man, um, hitting on all cylinders. And I've said it so many times and, have an opportunity to do this podcast every week and really get into the minutia and read the notes. And then me and you talk about it. And then, you know, you go online and people have different memories and I'm like, Oh, remember that, remember that, and this and that. But you really look at 07, 08, 09, the success of TNA. So professionally it was a long, hard grind from 02 to the spike deal. Uh, and then once we got the spike deal, just the, the snowball effect, things were getting better and better and better. So very, very, very difficult time personally, obviously the darkest time in my life in a lot of ways. And then, uh, professionally it was hitting on all cylinders, a lot of success going on. We should also mention that this is, um, all part of an interview where you're asked a bunch of different questions about the business, including things that would increase pay-per-view numbers. And you say in this interview that that requires three things. Stronger pay-per-views requires three things. Number one, an established brand. Number two, marketing power. And number three, something you described as, quote, a publicity stunt or something that catches the mainstream appeal. 
And there's a follow-up to that question about how TNA needs a breakout star. And you explain that breakout stars from the past, quote, weren't necessarily great wrestlers or even great talkers, but they had the it factor. They were at the right place at the right time. And it catches on. You never know what the future holds. Once you have that megastar end quote. And Jerry talked about how many people see it, see TNA's potential megastar as Samoa Joe. And you said he's a phenomenal talent and he has the it factor. His success is yet to be determined. You can't judge a guy over a three month period. You've got to get behind someone and go with them, stick with them and find out what happens. Now that's what Jeff thought about wrestling 15 years ago. Has your opinion changed at all? In what specific point or question or breakout stars and you got to get with a guy and stay with him. I'm not asking you to comment on Samoa Joe. I'm asking about, you know, do you need these three things to sell, be successful on pay-per-view and the breakout stars? It's less about wrestling and talking and more about, Right time, right place. It catches on. You go with it and you stay with it. So do I believe it now? I believe wholeheartedly. Trying to think of a a good example. Social media has changed the game in developing personas. And I'm not just saying wrestling. Look at music. Taylor Swift may go down in history as the very best example Period. She really started her career on MySpace, interacting with the fans in the engagement and started that little engine that could. And now it's a, a phenomenon. But, but you know, 2006, 7, 8, 9, right through there, look where social media was at during this era. It, it was, I can't say it's non existent, but it was all in the, the startup mode. Here we are in 2023. Um, let me ask you, Conrad. When I did that little bit and whooped Effie's ass and debuted for GCW Wrestling on New Year's Day, take social media out of that. You know, it would. I mean, we wouldn't be talking about it today. I mean, the no. podcast is a part of of, of of you know the evolution of technology. But I, I just think that in that era, the the publicity stunt. Uh, the bandwidth to do one, yes, we need to do. I, so I still agree with publicity stunt. I still uh, uh, believe in that breakout star mentality that you you have to stay the course. I mean, you could go back in history. I don't care what brand, WCW, WWF, WWE, AEW, Impact. You got to have to, well, you just mentioned it. AJ Styles, incredible talent. He lost on the first show. We stayed with him and he became front and center, the grand slam winner and the poster child and everything. Yes. You have to stay with the, 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 the breakout star. And and those early days, you would definitely not consider AJ a great talker by any stretch. And is he an unbelievable talent? Yes. But there was a lot of really, really good X division wrestlers, but AJ had, and I don't want to say boy next door because that, I think that a little bit diminishing, for his aura and his character. I, I just think that when he got rolling and, and a little bit better and we were sticking with him and sticking with him. Now I won't get into 2010, 11, 12, because he went to the flare thing. And I think that derailed him, but the kind of the proofs in the pudding, look what happened. I mean, boom, he went to new Japan. He kind of reblossomed again, but yes, I think you got to stick with us, stick with a guy, but I also think you need to have, 
two or three guys. You can't have an entire roster, but two or three guys that you're really focusing on and get behind. You got to do that publicity stunt. What was the third thing, Conrad? Um, well, what I wanted to ask about specifically, though, yeah. is when you talked about these breakout stars that in the past, historically, they haven't all been necessarily great wrestlers or great talkers. And I think that sometimes people just sort of get lost in that. Like, I'm not saying I don't, I don't, we don't usually comment on current stuff. However, when people have most, when people talk about best wrestler in the world these days, they often talk about just the in-ring component. Very rarely do you hear a guy like Roman Reigns named mentioned there. And I don't think anybody would say he's a bad wrestler in terms of in-ring or on the microphone. No one would say that. But when you talk about best wrestler in the world, we're usually listing guys who are fantastic bell to bell. And that's sort of their niche. But then when you go the other way, uh, I mean, I think if you watch collision or any AEW show in the last two years, you'd be hard pressed to find an act that was more over than the acclaimed. But when people talk about the best tag teams in wrestling, they often don't list the acclaimed. But if you say the most over tag team in wrestling, well, they're probably near the top of the list. And I think that's, there's a lesson in that. Like even you go back to the eighties, like the reason a lot of people enjoy the income and level of, of, of notoriety they do in wrestling is because stuff was built on the back of Hulk Hogan, who most people would say, maybe not the best in ring wrestler of all time, but it's all right. It's positioning it's story. It's right time. It's right place. I think you hit the nail on the head, but I think a lot of times the narrative online becomes, well, this guy isn't as good of a wrestler as that guy. That oftentimes doesn't matter. Like, like some of the best actors in the world are on off Broadway. They're not necessarily prime time on Thursday night or have a big box office smash this weekend. That doesn't matter. Like no one would ever accuse the rock of being the greatest actor that there ever was, but the dude's been box office for a long time. And, and that matters in the wrestling business. And I just think sometimes fans maybe get lost in that. Would you well, agree? Oh gosh, Conrad, you know, I I'll double down. I mean, social media, we shouldn't rain on social media, but you, you would, it's because it's that conversation, but it's not in the same room and in the same room, if me and you and, and Silva and Cassio's half awake and Corey or whatever the group may be, we would probably not too far into this conversation say, no, wait a minute. Let's get the metrics we're measuring. Let's get the barometer. Are we talking about just in-ring work? Are we talking about selling tickets? Are we talking about promo? Are we just kind of talking about uh, his ability? He can be a heel and a baby face. He can be a tag wrestler. He can be a six-man wrestler or a trios or what? It's like, what are we measuring here? What What's the barometer? What's the metrics? Um, but this is kind of the whole set point that I think is... Well, maybe this is topical. Conrad, in the six-man tag, when Karen stroked Aubrey and wiped beat her clean, Matt beat her clean. Prior to that, I hate to say this, but the entire match, or a good portion of it, there were two chants going on. Papa Briscoe. Yes. And then Aubrey. Uh, two non-wrestlers. Yes. And and I know this is going to, you know, it would become better coming from you because it's kind of sounds self-serving, but in the six man tag, 
the stars of that in this order. Number three was Aubrey. Number two was Papa Briscoe. And my bride, Karen, was the number one star. But no, the three non-wrestlers. Were the focus of the match. Of course it was, because the the mentality, and this is where I just think things get so disjointed that, you know, I'll, I'll get back in the topic here, but but look, you know, work rate is one metric. I mean, it, to me, and I'm not diminishing or amplifying it, it's really one metric. And I don't want to get into the territory days, but in the business of professional wrestling, and I'll jump across to the competition. The the thing that really only matters is Wall Street. The chairman and the board and all the way down to any third party at our competition. Wall Street, because you got to make a profit. And why do you got to make a profit? because you've got a lot of folks investing their hard-earned money in an organization and you have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's best for the brand. No more, no less. When we get into, oh, work weight is the only thing that matters. No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, it doesn't. That's just, it may only matter to you, and I'll pat you on the back, because if that's what you care about, God bless you. Teeny Jarrett taught me a long time ago, wrestling fans, they're there. They've all got a right to voice their opinion and they all got a like a right to like what they like. And so you can't discount it. But at the end of the day, collectively, the business is all about the bottom line. Yep. Your old pal Hulk Hogan used to say, you know, they used to say this was a work, but it turns out the guy who goes on last and he's the champ, he makes the most money. Well, that ain't a work to me. Uh, so, and you know what he, uh, there, and you, you know, speaking of social media, from time to time, there will be clips of Hogan from Japan. Yes. So it's like when people see that, they go, oh, my God, that's the Hulk there. And I go, yes, he was adapting to that style. Yes. He's he, doing what the audience required. In 1985 uh, or 86 in Pontiac Silverdome, they didn't give two craps about seven running lariats. They no. wanted him to cup his hand and put his ear to the audience on four different and pose and drop the leg. And man, we got off on a rant today. Didn't we pal afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Well, it's because we knew that Hulk Hogan was training hard, saying his prayers and eating his vitamins. And you and I do that every morning. Thanks to AG one. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And that's all it takes to get 75. I'm talking about 75 high quality ingredients. Going to give you all the daily nutrients and support the energy, the focus, the strength, and the clarity that you need. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps you. Well, and helps just about everybody take great care of their health every day. Now, my wife does this every morning before she goes to the gym and she feels like she's more productive there. 
because of it. I do it and I feel like I'm sharper at work. I can really say that I know I notice a difference in my sustained energy and my mental clarity and my focus. My wife even says she knows it helps with her digestion. I think this is like your all-in-one nutritional insurance. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go right now to drinkag1.com slash myworld. That's drinkag1.com slash myworld. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. That's drinkag1.com slash my world. Jeff, let's get back on the topic. We've got this big sting interview and there's a lot of mentions of the ultimate warrior through this interview. And when you're asked about it in interviews, you say something like it would be unique if something were to happen between the two of them. Did you ever get serious about conversations about something with warrior? And if you would have brought him in, do you think you would have done something with sting? I mean, it was media training, maybe one Oh one. If they're going to ask about it, don't shut it down. But, and I know I talked to Jim at one time and I don't remember if this is during that era or not, but I don't believe it was a real possibility at the time. Uh, but him and my, he respected my old man. They had a respect going back to kind of the, the, um, and for those that don't know this story, uh, I'll tell it here again. I know Conrad's heard it, but I still, it's kind of a fascinating story about fate um there were four guys uh conrad do you know if rick bassman was training all of them i think yeah so. rick, rick bassman was training them all they were power team usa and they sent some promo photos out they landed four. with jerry Jarrett. yeah there, there was four guys on the publicity shot and then yeah. they also uh sent um singles but they had a a, a, plus, a black and white eight by ten that they mailed to 467 Cumberland Hills Drive, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 37075, Jarrett Promotions. They mailed that. And when they mailed that, my dad got it. And holy smokes, I, just, I can just hear Jarrett. I, I, you know, it's the week of Father's Day. I can hear my father say, damn, Lawler, look at these guys. And Lawler may say something like, yeah, who cares? Uh, yeah, bring them in. I'll beat them or whatever. I mean, but they had the give and take. And you know, father is thinking, okay, they're green, but man, we can do something with them or whatever it may be. But he looked at the, uh, picture and picked out sting and warrior. And when he made the call, he said, I want this one. And I want this one. And those two out of the four got in the car, drove cross country from LA to Hendersonville, Tennessee, and their wrestling careers in essence started that was the first territory they worked here then they went to watts and from watts they split them up and ultimate warrior went to texas and became dingo warrior and sting started running with um, eddie gilbert and a few others and he became sting and in not too short a time uh one was a world champion at wcw and the other was a world champion at wwf but it's all kind of funny how the fate happens that they sent publicity photos in and um, yeah. And Sting will tell you the story. They, they both got fired here because just their inexperience. Sting didn't even know what was meant when my father told him, we're going to have to finish you up. Um, you're getting your two week notice. 
what is finishing up? Oh, oh, that means getting fired. Oh, okay. But no, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the story and how fate shines down about it. But there you have it. Uh, on storylines here in uh, impacts in 2008, Jay lethal is going to propose to SoCal Val. Who's going to say, yes, Sanjay Dutt is looking on in jealousy here. Um, <laughs> Afterwards, Lethal's going to call out Dutt on something that's been bothering him. While everyone thought Lethal was going to question Dutt on trying to sneak around behind his back with Val, Lethal simply asked him if he'd be the best man at his wedding. And of course, Sanjay's relieved and accepts the honor. Uh, and now there's a, a new music video done by Ace Young to surprise Lethal and Val. The music video is a mix of steamy love scenes between Lethal and Val and highlight real footage of lethal doing a bunch of spots in the ring. This is, uh, interesting. Ace young is the seventh place finisher on American idol in 2006. I guess he had maybe a little bit of mainstream appeal, but what'd you think of this? Uh, I mean, clearly it's inspired by the old, uh, SummerSlam wedding between the macho man and miss Elizabeth with this black machismo influence and whatnot. What'd you think? of of this storyline of val and lethal it is truly one of my personal favorites it, it just it had the recipe in real life jay and sanjay are best friends they still are to this day and have been you know sanjay's son is named jay uh it it, it is it, it is a very very tight friendship and that's part of what made it work again um jamar jay lethal his charisma when he steps into uh black machismo character, it just, it is, it's an alter ego, but man, he's just playing an extension because it is, it's Jay. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's Randy Savage heavily inspired. But when you think about musicians in life, big time guitar players will say, yeah, you know, Eric Clapton influenced me, but they make it their own, whatever it may be. But the story and there to me, those two guys told so much of the story and folks impact plus if if you just like episodic and these are two x division guys but a fun story this was it, it was just fantastic because the whole build up was lethal i mean just every week there was something but lethal's going to oh boy lethal is he's mad and he's going to kick Sanjay's ass or something's gone wrong in the relationship. And he asked him to be his best man. But the story is Sanjay's got a crush on, on Val, but that's his best friend. And at the end of the day, I can remember in creative meetings and, and, you know, this is one of those stories that everybody can relate to this. Everybody can relate to this in high school or junior high, or maybe up in college is that, you know, Two best buds end up liking the same girl, and you gotta have to play a little of a chess match because oh no, you gotta make sure you take care of your best bud. But in reality, anyhow, fun story. Conrad's one of my all-time favorites uh, during this era. On the go home episode, we're even treated to uh, a bunch of scenes that are building up the bachelor party. Uh, you would see Lethal yelling out for Lanny, of course, as <laughs> if he was Randy Savage himself. Another segment even features Coco beware being announced as being a, a groomsman and George, the animal steel is going to be there. And Kamala, we're, we're just leaning into the nostalgia on this for sure. Um, as I understand it, there, 
We just read it from the torch. Today introduced another clip of the bachelor party. A Shunk stood on the stage with black machismo. He had everyone turned to see the cake being rolled into the room by Borash out of the giant cake popped Christy Hemi, Christy rave and Hoyt then tried to begin performing, but ODB walked in grabbing her crotch and slapping her ass. She rolled in a big gift box and out of it came a gigantic snake Dutt held it. It was real. Dutt then said, Jake, the snake would be at the wedding too. Did a convincing job, convincing job of making it seem like a drunken bachelor party. And it had a purpose to it. It was to announce the macho man era WWF stars who'd be on the wedding on Sunday. My goodness, this is pretty crazy to think we're going to use all these old school names, but I dug it. What'd you think? Just look, a spectacle make, you know, weddings and wrestling and all that kind of stuff, but just obviously it's all based off of promoting, pushing Jay lethal. It was was the whole design. Yes. Sanjay was a a big part of this, but ultimately it was, we're going with black machismo. He's the one who gets the girl. He's the one whose people are coming to his wedding, Coco and Jake. And what a zoo, but, but it was all designed to, uh, push Jay. I mean, it's just that simple, but uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I don't want to call it, you know, I, I think there's comedy relief. And then I think there's spectacle entertainment, if you will. Uh, this was, you know, it, it, it was, a it was a fun train wreck to watch. I'll just say that. Let's talk about abyss. There's a, a month worth of vignettes airing where we're seeing abyss in a straight jacket promoting his return. Did you think Abyss needed a fresh uh, coat of paint here, or what's the thinking here? Yeah, I mean, I think the that character ebbed and flowed, and, and because he would go so hard into the storyline, and we would build it, and that's another. You know, we joke with Chris, and bless his heart, he still thinks Joe Burrow is actually a starting QB, but we won't get into that. But um, you know, Chris, smart dude, and and really understands this you know that we're talking past tense but understood at this stage certainly just the nature of the business that the the big heel monster character and the episodic nature but at the end of the story the baby face goes over and so abyss didn't need to hang around kind of just in limbo just give the character a rest and then come back with a new story and a new look and a new you know the, the character continued to evolve and it did from the beginning of abyss living under the steps <laughs> in the asylum at the Nashville sports arena to all the way up to Joe park and everything that went with that at Slammiversary, uh, 2017, you know, that's a kind of a 15 year story when you look at it. So, um, yes, a lot of, uh, A lot of stories under the abyss belt. Uh, but yeah, he took a little rest here and I'd like to see Joe park or abyss make a cameo one day. Wouldn't you let's make, let's work that out one day. I mean, he might have to get fired or you will, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, Hey, listen, let's talk about the women in TNA. They're getting lots of chunk on your TV here. I mean, lots of TV time compared to WWE. And I think that's because they did so well in the ratings. Is that accurate? A thousand percent. Um, the spike calls and a kind of understanding 
what they're looking for. And, you know, it goes without saying at this time, Spike, a network for men. And their sweet spot was males 18 to 34. Um, they were, they, they measured that demo um, almost more important than the males. Uh, I mean, than the, the P eight people, 18 to 49, but it was very, very priority. And um, at this time we had developed quite the knockouts roster. It was, it continued to build. Let's talk a little bit about, one of the angles you're doing here. Awesome Kong is going to start a gimmick where she's offering $25,000 for fans to come in and face her. So it's sort of the old school, Andy Kaufman style gimmick. And it leads to a segment where a fan accepts and gets killed. And then Jim Cornette asked Jeremy Borash, why was this allowed to happen? And Borash's response was it was the highest rated segment on the show. This is on TV, which is kind of fun. Hmm. And eventually it leads to a bunch of women in the front row trying to volunteer to take on awesome Kong. Borash is going to put over Amber O'Neill, Becky Bayless and Daphne. And then eventually he shoves a release in Daphne's face. She signs it gets killed in three minutes. This is fun stuff, man. What'd you think of this idea with awesome Kong? We'd had a hell of a run with her and Gail. Um, and went to the well for, with that several times in singles and returns and three ways and tag matches. And this was, you know, awesome Kong. There's, there's no doubt about it. The knockouts moved the needle Kong, a hell of a worker, but as far as fitting the in-ring work in the brand, she's great. Man. Yeah, we, we loved it. And again, this, this $25,000 challenge was all to, you know, to continue to build her and the entire division. There's another story with the ladies is the beautiful people in ODB. The beautiful people have just shaved Roxy's head. So they're quite full of themselves. And Lauren interviews ODB who says her boobs are quote, hundred percent vodka, baby. And she promises to stick her flask between Angelina loves cheeks. They go two minutes and Don West says on commentary, I'm just daydreaming about boobies filled with vodka. <laughs> ODB is going to pour booze into her mouth from the flask and then blow it into love's face. And in the end, Sky is going to knock out ODB with her own flask, and they're about ready to shave ODB's hair, but then Roxy makes the save. Man, uh, boobs filled with vodka. That's not something I thought I'd be talking about on a podcast, but <laughs> as a vodka drinker, I got to say, I'm with Don. I'm for it. What do you think? You got to love ODB. The character was over. She played that character. I mean, again, an extension of, uh, of Jess's personality. Um, and, and did it well. Uh, again, you kind of look back at the, uh, I, I'd have to really look at it, but you know, maybe the heyday of the knockouts, you know, Kong, Gail, ODB, the beautiful people, Roxy. I know I'm going to leave out race. You say, you know, all very, very different personalities. Um, and it, 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 that's what made it work. Not anybody was, uh, alike. Um, and they, we just told good stories with them too. I think, uh, Mickey knuckles is going to be coming in next as a bodyguard. I had seen her stuff in IWA mid South, uh, in the years prior to this, I was excited that she was getting an opportunity to be on TV and it's even written in the observer. There was talk of bringing jazz in to team with them as their bodyguard type, but they must not have been able to get in touch with her in time for the recent tapings. 
or she wasn't interested. Talk to me about Mickey Knuckles. Um, I, in the, the jazz note, I saw that in the re research. I don't remember her being, she's super talented. I don't think we would have had her anyway. That's a Dave note, I guess. Anyway, uh, that was, I'm just wondering where jab was at in her career. Um, she's a hell of a talent, but Mickey Knuckles, we wanted a bodyguard. We wanted somebody, um, just to play the role. I mean, it's again, the evolving characters and stories and what would fit, uh, in, in this story. Mickey Knuckles and Jeff, I want you to look right in the camera and I want you to be very serious, serious question. Uh -huh. uh, I'm looking for answers here. Oh boy. Can you explain to us how you guys landed on the name? Cause you got to rename Mickey Knuckles. You landed on the name Moose Knuckle. Talk me through it. Love to hear about how you landed on Moose Knuckle. Okay. So. Are you familiar with the cartoon Rocky and Bullwinkle? Yes. Familiar with that. Bullwinkle's a moose. Yes. Okay. In creative breaks, we like to watch cartoons. This is all bullshit so far. Okay. No, no. Okay. <laughs> so, so one day that cartoon came up. Shut up. Well, and then Quinn Oshinaka, who's also known as Moose in modern day impact. Conrad, I don't have a clue how we came up with that. Can we just move? <laughs> uh, if you go to uh, <clears throat> uh, the Urban Dictionary. Oh, oh, so now we're going to the real. I mean, this is authentic. Wikipedia, Urban Dictionary, it's all 100% fact, right? Urban Dictionary yes. was entered by a lady named Heather on January 1st, 2005. Okay. A man's version of a camel toe, the result of wearing spandex or pants that are way too tight, resulting in an unsightly bulge of his junk. And you guys bring in a female bodyguard whose wrestling name was Mickey Knuckles. Bro. Let's call a moose knuckle, bro. Do you know, I've never heard that, that, uh, phrase. You didn't know that. What, no, no, no. J just how, what'd you say? You literally just said it is the male version of a camel toe. Male version of a camel toe. Yes. How about that? Conrad? You learn something new. Every my world podcast without question today. Uh, we learned it from the urban dictionary. The uh, beautiful people, man, they're over. Oh. And one of the more important acts of the era, not giving their flowers enough. They start putting, putting brown bags over women's heads saying they'd look better with this over their faces. That's one of the better gimmicks in history. You know, the, the brown paper bag velvet sky is going to be backstage. She's being interviewed by Lauren. She's going to call Lauren Leatherface and ask her where her brown paper bag is. And she holds up a collector's edition trading card quote right in front of your crater filled face. I have pimples on my backside, more appealing than the marks that come here every week and fantasize about being with us. Goodness gracious. These girls, man, this is a great act. Is it not these ladies? My apologies. I don't mean to be negative. I don't know that they played their character. I mean, they played the extensions of their personality to a T. Yes. And 
again, God, this sounds so wrestling, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Those ladies were not afraid to be heels. And I say that, that you can deliver those kind of smarky, you know, about the pimple line, or you know, you can deliver lines like that. And this is kind of the, boy, this is really inside baseball. You can deliver a line like that and almost lean into it and say it as a comedy line, or in their case, when they said those type lines, they came from a place where you go, those bitches really mean that, you know, they said it with emotion and they were produced that way. They were, they were heels. They were super arrogant. And I think that's, that's kind of the recipe in there. They were not afraid to be heels because you could have, you, you could have had other performers, other females that could have got the exact same verbiage or, or kind of had that whole collaboration, but said that with tongue in cheek and gotten laughs. You just, they could have easily gotten laughs, but that would have not gotten over. They had, they leaned into the character big time and didn't, you know, you see sometimes folks today try to do things to kind of be cool and cute. It don't work. It does not resonate at all. No. And no, and nobody knows how to be a shit heel more than you. So you're very qualified to say that. Shut up. I'm so sick of this BS. Yeah, me too. I uh, I'm gonna get you to sign a disclaimer this weekend, the Top Gear weekend. Oh, hey, I'm cracking Connie with it. No, go ahead. No, you're not. No, yes, you're, I am. I'm not signing shit. <laughs> uh, Rosie O'Donnell lookalike is the way Wade Keller would describe Mickey Knuckles. Or I'm sorry, Moose Knuckle. That is that is not polite. She has dark hair, but come on now. Uh, something that's interesting about this show is that every week, Eric young is on the hunt for Elvis, trying to get him to come to slam anniversary. He's going to Graceland and leaving tickets for Elvis, Elvis. But as you would know, he, he couldn't find him, never found Elvis, but we're saying like, we're positioning as if this show is in Memphis. It's not far. It's maybe a 15 minute drive, but it's actually in South Haven, Mississippi. I guess from a national standpoint, it's just easier to say Memphis than South Haven, right? For sure. And you know, that's like Hoffman Estates in Chicago. Seriously. Yes. It, it, yeah. People kind of, you know, um, like you live in Nashville, but not really. No. Yeah. I live in Hendersonville, a completely different County, but you don't really think of it, but no, that was, um, and that was, you know, folks, this slam anniversary we're talking about was in South Haven and, um, which is right across the state line, but yeah, it was definitely Memphis theme. And that's kind of why we were going, the wedding and EY and all of that. that. That was the direction we were headed in this venue. LAX is programmed with team 3d during this time with Hector Guerrero getting involved. Uh, we haven't seen him much. Uh, there's also a formation of the group, the bad guys, which takes place in this build with Kurt angle, Booker T and team 3d coming together using a sledgehammer. I don't know where I've seen the sledgehammer in wrestling before. And this is around the same time that Booker T starts using the British accent. And the rumor has been that he was trying to show off his acting chops, but you and I recently saw an article that came out about Booker T where he said, man, I'm ashamed of some of the stuff I didn't impact because he admitted he was out there just trying to have fun and entertain himself. But I got to tell you, as somebody who was watching here and there, I was entertained every time Booker was on TV, the time he came down and started whooping people's ass and doing commentary while he did it. 
is great. an all-time great moment. So I could see where he's saying, hey, I'm ashamed of myself. From a standpoint of WWE, probably had a more stringent thing and said, here's what it is. And maybe you are outside of paint out to paint outside of the lines. But as a fan, I loved it. What'd you think? Booker, was it day in and day out? And I love Book, and I think he'd tell you exactly this. Just not a hunt. Booker is a perfectionist sometimes, I think. Not 100% of the time did he come to TV with his game face. Because I think when we've talked about this at Ad Nauseum, expectations. Booker came up in Texas. He did independence and then uh, global wrestling and, you know, all that. But when he went to WCW, he had that run and went from a tag team and then a single and then went to WWF and had an incredible run. Well, yes. so, so the expectations that him and WWE parted ways and I'm going to this upstart company, I think he had in his mind that things were, were run differently. And when he got there, he kind of saw the realities of, okay, not a lot of house shows and well, we're getting there and, and look, he was being paid well on our standards, but what he had come from was down. So I think the adjustment more than anything in Bigger's Booker's mind, I also think that he thinks some of his stuff that he did makes everything he did there painted with the same brush. And that's just not accurate. You came up with that. Booker can go, can always go. Um, but yeah, some of the things I often though, I used to ask Dutch and Vince, Where's the accent coming from? I don't know. He just wants to do it. I that's the first I'd read about acting chops. I'd love to ask book. Is that why you originally did the the British accent? I like thought that. it was fun. He was having fun. Yeah, he you knows know he played having fun. Did it get a lot of heat? Uh, probably not. But it was a little bit different because that's Booker. The whole world knows Booker. Yes, Booker, his accent. That's fun. But where's it coming from? I wanted a story for it. Well, we got a story with Petey Williams. He's going to transform into a smaller version of Big Papa Pump with some great vignettes. Uh, you're you're really adding some character and color to some of these X Division characters that, by and large, haven't been featured as parts of the story. Yes, they have great matches, but him being little Petey Pump and and all the stuff you're doing with Lethal and Dutt, you're really adding some great context. Speaking of context, we should mention, thankfully. Uh, we need a tight shot of Jeff here. I got great news for you, Jeff. I don't know that you've seen it. What you got? The lawsuit has been dropped against you. Rocket Con is no longer suing you. All the charges have been dismissed. You're going to get to keep the house. This should be a celebration for you and Karen. I know that you and George Steinbrenner and the New York Fire Department and Jim Cornette, I know y'all were all personally concerned. Chris Benoit. Home Depot. Yeah, the Rocket Con's lawsuit is just thrown out, man. It's dismissed. You're good to go. Including Home Depot? Yeah, Home Depot has been exonerated. But you get to keep the house now. <sighs> right? We got to let Cody know the good news. The jet skis can stay. Now, Conrad, are you pulling my leg? No, it's been dismissed. Is there? Has the appeal been filed? Well, I mean, listen, I, I don't want to get into all the details. I don't even, let's just knock on wood that I think you're home free. That's one less thing to worry about. Cody, Should I tell Cody or wait? Tell Cody the, 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 the wave runners are safe. Rock is not going to ride off with them. Does the rock know this? 
I think the rock has been notified, but when we hang up, I'll text him and make sure he knows. What about Mick? He's probably looking for some good news. You know, the XFL lost him $60 million last year. Well, then it's a wash. What do you think about the fans online who think that the rock has hit rock bottom? Cause he's got to crawl back to Vin Diesel and black Adam flopped and, and he lost $60 million. And I was thinking to myself, self, self, I hope to fuck. I hit rock bottom. Like the rock has sometime soon. Can, wouldn't it be wonderful to hit his rock bottom? Conrad. I'd be delighted. You're a businessman and me and you text the other day and I can't wait to have this idea. I mean, you pitched me this idea, but have you heard about rocks tequila line? Uh, yeah, it's worth over a billion dollars. He turned down a billion dollars for it. Okay. Pulled it out of his ass, created a billion dollar brand. Yeah. Have you seen the plant they're building down in Mexico? No. Okay. He's going to be all right. I think, I, I think he's going to be literally just fine. Really? I mean, when you delivering this news, if you were legitimately got like Dawkins, I hope Dawkins is in, involved in this information that you're sharing with me. If he knows he's off the hook from this lawsuit, he may even have a shot at tequila tonight. How about that? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you're, uh, if you're looking to level up your game, like the rock has, and maybe you're trying to look like old double nickels over there. Can I recommend factor? It's summertime and maybe you want to make it the summer and no worries. Well, you don't need to worry about chopping and cooking and prepping, and you don't need to worry about trips to the grocery store. Instead, why not rely on factors, fresh, never frozen meals that are ready in just two minutes. All you got to do is heat these dudes up and enjoy, and then get back outside and start enjoying the summer. Celebrate that rocket con has dropped that lawsuit. Get out there and tear up the lake. Why don't you? They got calorie conscious meals. Maybe you're trying to get that beach body going. Well, you can do that. Those have less than 550 calories in them. Maybe you're like Jeff wanting to get that pump on, wanting to look extra swole, wanting to show the rock who's really boss around here. Try the protein plus meals. They got 30 grams of protein or more per serving. I was so excited to see that they've got a new upscale option. Surf and turf is now available. That's right. Garlic, roasted garlic, filet mignon and shrimp. Cajun spice shrimp and salmon. It's all available. They got something for every lifestyle from keto to protein plus to calorie smart to vegan and veggie, whatever we're talking about. It's 34 different chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options. Think about that. And they got premium ingredients. Y'all broccolini. Yep. Truffle butter. Yep. Leeks, asparagus, whatever it is, high quality food and all the snacks, man. They even got breakfast, dude, like apple cinnamon pancakes and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillets. And how about the cold pressed juices and shakes and smoothies? It's all here. It's cheaper than takeout. It's better for you than takeout. It's faster than takeout. It's just two minutes. So get factor and enjoy eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor packed meals delivered right to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head right now, factormeals.com slash myworld50 and use the code myworld50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code myworld50 at factormeals.com slash myworld50 to get 50% off your first box. So Jeff, on the go-home impact for the pay-per-view, there's a King of the Mountain match between Curry Man, Jimmy Rave, Chris Saban, Johnny Devine, and Kaz. The winner of the match gets a shot at the TNA champion next week on Impact. I'm not really sure why we're doing this match on TV ahead of the pay-per-view. We're like 
whoever the champion is, they'll face this guy to defend their title. I don't get that. Shouldn't you be focusing more on the pay-per-view and not next week's TV? Or am I overthinking it? Because at this point, pay-per-views aren't our primary revenue. We need to make spine happy. I'll take you right back to the room and you make the call. You'll hear both sides, but I'll give okay. it a cliff notes version, bro. People need to understand how this match works. If they understood how it works, because we talked about it in the room, let's give them one on free TV. So people understand how this match works and I then going you. into it. Okay. Believe me, the room was divided. No, 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 no. You can't give this away. Okay. I, I know that I said it and, and, and I was juggling and ultimately had to make, make the call. Hey guys, this match that we're putting in there, look at the performers. This match is probably going to be better than the one that's on the pay-per-view. They're going to take more high risk. It's probably going to be shorter because it's a TV match. Da, 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 da. I mean, so we're juggling back and forth. Oh wait. So we're, this guy's going to get a title shot, uh, uh, but we don't know who he's, I mean, it was, I mean, it was really the, the, the tennis match in the room going back and forth. Obviously you see the decision that I ultimately made, but it was, do we give them a preview of what they're, what they're, what we're wanting them to buy this Sunday when the stakes are on the line and the world titles on the line that, that was the debate Conrad. Um, not, not asking you to say it made sense, but uh, understanding that side of it. I know what the answer is. You still wouldn't give it up to on free TV. I don't know. No, listen, I think showing think? the fans that they need to understand how the match works. That made a total, I made a lot of sense to me. I totally get it. Uh, I just wonder, maybe I wouldn't have done it with the world title. You get a t shot at that. Maybe I would have done it with the next division. Yeah. yeah just so exactly. you can. But at the same time, would that have meant the X division one for free wound up being more exciting than the heavyweight one on pay-per-view. So you're sort of damned if you do damned, if you don't a friend it's of mine, Go ahead. I used to say, and he's taught me and I might get my first tattoo. Uh, and it says creative is subjective. That's right. <laughs> and when I really wrap my head around that, I just quit spending time worrying about it. Yeah. I, can, I know that sounds crazy, but like some of it's going to hit some of it didn't, but if we just understand, we don't know what is going to hit or what's not until we do it. Life gets a little easier. That's like a serenity prayer for wrestling. Creative is subjective. It, I mean, it is. I literally had a discussion recently about Sami Zayn. I said, you do realize Sami wrestled Johnny Knoxville 14 months ago? Yep, and it was great. It, it To me, and I went on this paper, uh, podcast right after it and raved about it because Sami's talent in that match. Yes, made it. Big time. Yes. Okay. That wasn't everybody's cup of tea and Sami Zayn. That's embarrassing. He should quit the business. Oh, really? <laughs> I think people who were saying that were looking for clicks. Oh, they're looking for clicks. Okay. Take him out of the bloodline story. Come back. Tell me what you think of that story. We used to tar and feather people in wrestling. That's we used right. to have <laughs> diaper matches in wrestling. We, I mean, yes, yes. I, it's one of the hottest angles in Memphis history involved a guy getting yellow paint dumped on him. Like what, you know, but no, that's what I love. Again, it's, you know, through the years, old man taught me this. Lawler taught me this. That's kind of what makes our business go around. 
something for everybody and come to the arena. I hate that match. Go to hell, Jeff Jarrett. King, you're my guy. Okay, great. Well, the- here's here's the thing too, Jeff. Like I think context, as our friend Eric says, really is king. Yes. Because you pointed it out earlier in this program when we were talking about quote unquote best wrestler stuff. And we got on the Hulk Hogan topic and we talked about when people see clips of Hogan in Japan, you very succinctly pointed out he was wrestling for that audience. You do what you have to do to get over for that audience. And Terry Funk famously told Dave Meltzer that it's not fair to go back and watch matches later and give them star ratings. You have to be in the arena, in the crowd, watching it in that moment, in that time, because as Terry explained to Dave, we put that match together for the people who were there that night and you weren't one of them. The idea being you had to be in the building and you and I heard the same thing about another show that happened in Nashville last year. If you were in the building, you had a totally different perspective than if you saw a clip of it or you heard about it, you saw it in proper context. So I would even go so far as to say the person who made that, who gave that match context at last WrestleMania was Johnny Knoxville. If it wasn't a jackass match, right. that would have been the stupidest thing we ever saw. If it was Sami Zayn versus uh, Ray Mysterio and all that stuff happened, that's stupid. But because it's Sammy and Johnny Knoxville, it works. Now, would we do that in new Japan? No. But this is an entertainment thing, and you've got a lot of casuals who come to WrestleMania, not just the hardcore black t-shirt, four stars or better crew like myself, but you've got little kids and older people and casual fans, and we're trying to lean into Hollywood and entertainment and celebrity. And it's a crossover for a major movie that probably had some money on the back end that, yes, hello, it's a business. The idea is in that proper context, it couldn't have been better. But if it's Sammy doing that same stuff, for New Japan with Minoru Suzuki. Okay, now it's stupid. That's but a, in that context, it's out. great. Well said. Let's talk about Jeremy Borash. He's going to interview Scott Steiner, Petey Williams, and Rocket Khan. Steiner's <laughs> going to ask Borash, who's Kaz ever beaten? And Borash says, well, they won the Terror Dome match at Sacrifice last month. Steiner says that was a circus act, but me and Petey, we're 100% wrestlers. As Petey's getting ready to talk, Borash says, we're out of time. So Petey yanks the mic from him and starts saying, as long as the camera's in my face and I got a mic, the people have no choice. And it cuts to commercial. That was great. I don't know whose idea it was, but I loved it. Meltzer would even say Steiner's always a riot on promos, but Petey's coming into his own with this pairing. I love this stuff, man. Petey Williams here in this act. I mean, I've always loved the Canadian destroyer. And when I first saw it for the first time in 04, I was convinced it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen in wrestling. It's still impressive nearly 20 years later, but seeing this character develop, this is when we really start to make him a wrestler, not just bell to bell, but the character piece. I went from liking Petey's matches and waiting for the move. So now I just want to see PD on TV. And I think that's the difference. It is the huge difference. When we, on this episode, we're talking about EY was a hell of an in-ring performer, but he's looking for Elvis Sanjay and, and, and Jay are in this love triangle, both great performers on their own, but little PD pump people Tremendous. got it. were highly entertained people that didn't really know the Steiner relationship. It's still like, just the delivery of, okay, we're out of time. He's the little guy. It's like, um, oh God, I'm really going to date myself. Uh, you know, Smokey and the Bandits, Big e- Big Enus and Little Enus. Yes. 
But uh, Scott and uh, Petey, good buds in real life, but the stuff they would do in pre-tapes would crack everybody up. And JB, I'm telling you, modern-day mean gene. He, he, he did it. Go back and watch this stuff, folks. It's it's hilarious. It's really, really good. Jeff, what were the names of those characters you liked on Smokey and the Bandit? Big Anus and Little Anus. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want your little anus to become a big anus, you got to go to bluechew.com. Bluechew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. But there won't be anything discreet about your package. Seriously, you do enough Bluetooth, even your wife will figure out how to deliver the stroke, and she'll get a win on national TV. Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Jeff, if you had to, like, I think the most iconic sound in wrestling, the most recognizable sound in wrestling is woo. But if you had to like make a sound for the guitar, like if there was going to be a sound effect for the guitar and you had to make that sound effect with your mouth, what would it sound like? The big kabong on the head. What would it sound like? Where the hell are you going with this? Oh man. Make make a sound. Like you just learned about brew. We not too long ago. Yeah. I was going to say, but it's uh, (laughs) or brie woo. Sorry. So tell me about, tell me about, uh, What's the sound a guitar would make hitting someone over the head? That is what it sounds like when you get that rascal real hard at blueshoe.com. The biggest storyline running is between Kurt Karen and AJ Styles. Frank Trigg was a small part of this in the beginning with Kurt, but he's not seen much afterwards. I was a big UFC fan at the time. I was excited to see Frank Trigg hanging around a little bit. Why did you guys not do more with him? I think it was, I don't think, I think it was kind of a, he, his availability. And he, did he ever have a match? I don't think he ever wrestled. I think he was just kind of around. Twinkle toes trig. Um, I, 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 th- I think there was no end game there. Uh, so to speak. No, no, I'm sorry. He did wrestle him and AJ. Duh. I knew this September 14th, 2008. No surrender. Okay. So AJ Styles and Frank Trigg in Canada, but it just feels like. You guys were doing something with him and Kurt here that I liked. And by the way, uh, Kurt's neck is not good. It's not been good since 1996. Kurt's trying to get Karen back and talking about how miserable her life must be without him and how she needs to get her priorities straight, which are the TNA title first, my gold medal second, the kids are third, and you're fourth. Great line from Kurt. His delivery. Kurt, I think... In this era, when you know he's hurt and you know he's got a lot of stuff going on, like just with his physical self, it's still able to deliver 
comedic comedic stuff and in the ring. I don't know that there's ever been a, a talent like him before or after. Just his physical presence. You know his background. Hey, this guy, he wasn't just an amateur wrestler. He's a gold medalist. Yes. But his acting chops. And look, there's, you know, the, the clips that you see online and different stuff like that. But day in and day out, when he the, when when the red light was on, like that line right there, him his delivery, the line's good, but the delivery takes it to another level. It's, and the, uh, it just is all part of that good character. It just again, it just kind of hit all the beats. He knew what he's doing. We're telling the story here, and of course, uh, Kurt is uh, trying to keep Karen around and saying. You know, I promise I'll change. And Karen's like, oh, you're not capable of change. And then he asks if she's seeing AJ and she said he's been there for her and he understands her and she's crying and angles getting on his knees and begging for a second chance. And the crowd starts chanting. We want AJ. She <laughs> thinks about it. She leaves the ring. Doesn't say another word. And then angle shouts, do it for the kid. I can't live without you. I'll do anything, Karen. And she keeps walking. It's some fun, silly stuff. And it is eventually announced that, uh, AJ styles is going to have an announcement the following week, but Kurt announces or attacks him before he can say anything. And it's a heel beatdown to help establish this bad guy's group. And this builds to a video conference the next week between Kurt, who's in Hollywood for a movie and Karen, who says she's in Pittsburgh and Karen talks about how. He gave Karen or Kurt talks about how he gave Karen everything she could want. And she didn't appreciate me. And Karen says, all I wanted was time. And of course she says, Kurt loves himself and his career even more than his wife and children. And angle says, explain to me why that is so wrong. <laughs> That's <laughs> just wonderful, man. He plays this character so well. AJ's hot backstage. He's saying he's going to take angle down at slam anniversary. And, um, I don't know, man. Listen, it's a little silly, but it is fun. And the ratings are doing fine. They're between a 0.9 and a 1.0. I'm sure it's frustrated that frustrating that you're not seeing huge jumps, but creatively between the PD stuff and the Val and, and Sanjay stuff and, and, and all the beautiful people stuff and this Kurt stuff creatively, we got a lot of good stuff going here. And look, the Kurt, Karen, AJ story was, again, to me, very relatable. How many men in the world put their job over everything? That's the whole impetus of it. You know, in our world, it's a world title, you know, and, and you know, in the real world, it's providing for your family, but Kurt delivering the line. What's That's so wrong with that? It's just tremendous. <laughs> but anyway, only Kurt can deliver a line like that with the, uh, you know, j just, just the look in his eye, but you know, they all played it well. Uh, and you think about AJ, um, just character development, you know, coming along and, and, and he, you know, he's truly playing the role of a, a knight, a white knight in shining armor. He's defending, you know, all, all that's right in the world. Anyway. Yeah. Clicking along, you know, Conrad, and I don't want to get too far ahead when you, you kind of, the build to this anniversary show. And was this our fifth anniversary that we were calling it six? I'm not sure what it was, but you know, when we get there, this show, I, I don't get too far ahead, but the realities of wrestling and the world and everything. And, and it just, 
this episode, there's a life lesson in it. I won't get too far ahead. Go ahead. You drew 2000 fans here just outside of Memphis. I know you would think that sounds bad, but the prior year they had Hulk Hogan and the big show at the FedEx forum. They only drew 2,200 for that. You got 20,000 buys on pay-per-view that is down from the month before that had 25,000 year over year. It's down as well. That was 25,000 before 5,000 one way or another matters, but you know, it's not like it's the end of the world. The observer would report that sting wasn't at the show, nor was he ever advertised to be there, but that maybe there was a major interview planned for the show, but it just doesn't happen. Why do you think sting wasn't at this show? Didn't have a position for him. And I, I have a feeling we were doing those promos and building the story. He didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a role for him. And so don't just have him there to have him there because he got paid a very nice sum per appearance you know don't waste his appearance on a i don't want to say just a non-wrestling role but non-storyline driven role you know when i look back on this era again the, the the luxury of looking at 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 of doing my world and looking at the business from some days we really dig in and get the minutiae and the micro but the macro you think about how successful the attitude era was and then it you know it it in a lot of ways coasted and then the you know wcw went away and then we started up but by about 07, 08, 09, yes, business, and I'm talking about with WWE, it was okay, but it, it, it wasn't great. Um, th there weren't a lot of new stars being developed on the other side. It, it's kind of, I think, historically speaking, I think you're going to look at, Conrad, you do podcasts across the board, but would you say about 05 to about, I don't know how far you'd go. It was just kind of a lull in the business. As, oh, for sure. Yeah. As far as drawing crowds, I'm going, uh, putting butts in seats. Yeah. Cause you, you look about collision Saturday last night. What was it? 11,000 in the building forbidden door sold out, uh, Wembley 60,000 seats, two nights of WrestleMania. I don't want to just talk about AEW. just the business as a whole. The, there's independent shows that are regularly doing WWE setting records everywhere right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Live event. We're talking about live event business. Yes. And, and, and it's just the ebbs and flows of it because 2000 in Memphis for us in 08 certainly didn't set the world's on fire, but Hey, it was 2000 paid. It, it, it was like, what is our benchmark? We were just getting out of that studio for, you know, in a lot of ways. Let's talk a little bit about the first match. It's Petey Williams retaining the X title over Kaz. They get 15 minutes and 19 seconds. It's a strong opener with lots of, this is awesome chance. I mean, they're pulling out all the stops, go out of your way to see it. It really is a great match. The torch gave it three and three quarter stars. Uh, the post-match would see Steiner start beating on Kaz saying, uh, Kaz didn't deserve a title shot. He's getting the next day. Cause of course he won that gauntlet for the gold match. And then abyss comes out dressed like he's escaped a mental ward. Meltzer would say his gimmick is he's been institutionalized and the name park P A R K on the back. Abyss is going to give Steiner PD and con all black hole slams and then carry cast to the back. Uh, Wade would say to me, the new costuming of abyss is a real negative as he comes across like a low rent indie monster man costume gimmick. I liked abyss. I didn't like this mental ward thing as much. What'd you think? Better than, lesser than, or different. It, it, you know, and I don't say that. We, I think we all collectively said, let's go with something different. 
okay, what's it? We really weren't going to change the mask for all that. If you're changing the outfit, he wore basically all dark. So we didn't want him in. I remember like red, blue, orange, purple. That ain't gonna whatever. Some big color. No, I let's kind of go white because you know we knew we were going to eventually get to kind of the human side of you know abyss really doesn't live under a uh, a, a rock or, or or all that. So tell the human interest story and humanize him more was the direction we were going. So that's where they instant you know. A, pr a prison outfit, an institutional outfit was where we were going. It didn't read like you just said. Just didn't read real well. I think the thought behind it was okay, but it, it did not read well. Match number two is Gail Kim and ODB teaming up with Roxy to beat Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, and Moose. Um, Wade would say, Moose had debuted on TV as Mickey Knuckles, but TNA probably wanted her to either sign rights over to that name or creative just came up with the new name. Mike today said she didn't want to be known as Mickey Knuckles. And then her ring outfit had Mickey on the back. So she's known as Moose here, but her gear still says Mickey, man, what's up. Why not just have somebody make her some new shit right fast. That's what I'm wondering. Why, how that kind of went down at pay-per-view Sunday, you know? Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, match number three is LAX retaining the tag titles, beating team 3d in 15 minutes. Uh, Meltzer would say they actually made a joke out of Bubba's weight saying he was recently 275 pounds. Don West was sarcastic saying he hadn't seen 275 since high school, basically bearing their own bad storyline. Uh, they build to, uh, the WhatsApp on Bubba and the finish sees homicide hit the frog splash off Bubba. Uh, but Devon pulls the referee, Andrew Thomas out of the ring. Homicide goes for a tope on Devon who moves and he splats on the floor. Bubba then hits Hernandez with a low blow and they set up the 3d for the pin, but homicide sneaks back in the ring and schoolboys Bubba instead he gets two stars in the torch. Listen, the first match was fantastic, but these two, they're just kind of there. The ladies didn't click and it doesn't feel like team 3d was clicking very much with LAX. Was that kind of the story with LAX? Like it felt like they would have a lot of momentum and you'd, you'd think this is going somewhere and then they'd have kind of a stinker and all right, maybe they're not ready yet. What do you think? So during this era, Conan was not with them, correct? Right. And I don't, I put it on the, the talking ability, the, yeah. the episodic nature. You got to be able to communicate and have the talking is especially nowadays, I think in a lot of ways, it's so underrated because, well, we're kind of making a running theme here that, that work rate or match rate or high spots. Um, that's the are, priority. And you're saying maybe there's too much on that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, being able to communicate with your audience verbally and, and, and nonverbal. And I say, when I say nonverbal, I'm talking about from body language and everything that goes with that is it's paramount in sustaining stories and sustaining a character and, and sustaining interest. Um, and you know, LAX, and I, you know, that was the reason we brought Hector in, uh, but Hector, great talker, hell of a talker, but Conan was so branded with this act. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I didn't know where I was going to kind of jump in over this entire event conrad but this was one of those shows and we've kind of 
I say in a lot of ways, glowingly talked about creative going into this, but this show, I think the last match, it will get to it, but it just did not hit on all cylinders. It just, there, there was a, there was a vibe that we didn't, it, it just, it didn't click. Hey guys, Tony Schiavone need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On the debut episode of The False Finish, Chris Harris talks about his successful TNA run as one half of America's Most Wanted and his not-so-successful run in WWE as Braden Walker. To be honest with you, I wanted out. I mean, it wasn't. I was, I was saying the right things to Johnny, like, hey, I'm going to make this work. But inside, I was thinking, I hate this fucking place. Um, it's broken me down. It's, it's made me not love wrestling anymore. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I that's kind of went my drinking took a bad turn, and um, yeah, I just, I really needed out. Buff Bagwell joined Ad Free Shows members for a live Q and A, talking about his road to recovery and sobriety, and recovery from a broken neck. We took an angle between me and Rick Steiner that could have been a unbelievably long angle. And they took that and just made it into a one-night match on Nitro, which I lost my debut match back with a broken neck. Who booked I feel that like ship? that was a bad call. Who, who booked that shit? That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself. Why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Let's talk about what's next. Awesome Kong is going to challenge the fans. First up is a lady from Corinth, Mississippi, a town right side out of Mississippi, uh, Memphis. Turns out it's Serena Deeb, who we yep. know has actually been working for OVW for quite a bit. And uh, the other is Josie Robinson from Memphis, who's actually a regular with Harley Race's WLW. Deeb is built here as an MMA fighter. And then, of course, wrestles like a pro wrestler and uh she took a beating like a pro including a giant swing into the guardrail and she gets hit with the implant buster and that's a pin in two minutes and 26 seconds and then robinson gets the jump on kong and people are into it eventually kong takes the glove off nails her with a back fist pins her in a minute and 42 with a power bomb out next is eric young with an elvis impersonator who looks pretty much nothing like elvis it's actually a Georgia indie guy. And, uh, yeah, Wade would say after all that time spent on TV, building up Elvis being there, and this is what they got. I mean, this was wrestle crap, bad Kong power bombs him as well. When you're sitting backstage, are you thinking, man, this is like creative from like our first or second show. The momentum we've had on TV is not translating to this pay-per-view. And I was bouncing around on all kinds of things, you know, from the truck to the go position to talent. But that's what I'm saying is I do remember kind of the energy. Things just didn't hit. And look, there has been. Conrad, let me ask you, is there a pay-per-view event? WCW, WWF, ECW, or even maybe an impact. Man, I know we're talking about what that just didn't hit. The, the, yeah. Anyone? ECW dismember to dismember is is uh, December to dismember is one of the worst shits of all time. Just didn't click, right? No, just 
awful. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and I, going into this event with an anniversary and the build and Kurt position, I just, there was a lot of upside, but all right, we'll keep going. But as you can see, it, that, that segment fell flat. And now the wedding. Aishon comes out to scattered booze. Jake Roberts comes out, although he doesn't look like Jake, he gets a big reaction. Coco Beware comes out with the latest Frankie. He's getting a small reaction. Kamala's out next, and Wade says, I don't know what happened, but he looks a lot shorter. And George Steele comes out. He gets no reaction, and he's staring at Val, playing off the old thing with Miss Elizabeth. Um, Conrad, this is a lesson to be learned that the viewer at home, it, it this, again, did not translate in Memphis, Tennessee, a pre-tape of this on TV is one thing doing it in front of a crowd. It's not the same thing. Oh, and, and George animal steel Kamala Coco to a little bit, but you know, Coco was, uh, PYT pretty in Memphis. Yes. I mean, I, I get it. Frankie and all this, but these characters, even Jake, they did not translate to the live, the live crowd. Yeah. So lethal comes out dressed like Randy Savage did and the 91 wedding was Elizabeth, but the fans just aren't with it. When the preacher asked to speak now forever, hold your peace. All the fans start screaming. Sanjay Dutt then tries to stop the wedding saying he loved Val and she should marry him. She starts crying. Dutt attacks lethal, which was part of the setup of the ceremony. I guess Dutt's going to lay out ace young and then brawl with Kamala and Ware until Jake. Pulls out a snake. Kamala gets spooked. Steel climbs in the ring, eats a turnbuckle. This is not Memphis nostalgia for the live crowd. This is WWF nostalgia. And it just wasn't good. Yeah. I also would say that this killed a lot of the crowd who were there to see matches like AJ Styles and Kurt Angle. And and yeah. let me let me just say one thing. The dynamic between Jay and Sanjay and 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 Val. You know, we built it up for the wedding. Sanjay switching heel. People were inv invested. And I'll just say this in Orlando in the storyline, they kind of get it in Memphis. They just kind of didn't follow it. They're like, what the hell? It, it, again, it didn't translate. Right. Oh boy. Styles is going to come out here and have quite a match with Kurt Angle. Go out of your way to watch it. I really enjoyed it. Three and a half stars in the torch, three and three quarters in the observer. Um, Styles does his running flip dive, and Wade says Angle didn't catch him at all. Instead, Styles landed on the back of Angle's head. I don't know how much was selling and how much was real, but I thought Angle was a goner, but he got back in. At another point, Styles reverses a superplex and drops Angle forward off the top, and Angle landed badly. It looked like he killed himself again, but he came back with two Germans. Styles hit the Pele kick. Angle got his foot on the ropes. They do a Styles clash, but Angles reverses it into uh, an ankle lock. Styles escapes, and Karen Angle comes out with a chair, and they're teasing her giving the chair to Kurt and double-crossing Styles, but as Kurt grabs the chair, she won't let go. Even in his condition, that was a stretch, thinking Kurt couldn't win a tug-of-war for a chair with Karen. Styles jumps into a sunset flip on angle and turns it into a styles clash for the pin. And the crowd was flat for the first half of the match. I think it was a combination of the wedding segment being so bad and angle just looked so out of it. He didn't connect with the crowd. 
but they had the crowd strong at the end. So listen, Kurt is, is obviously working hurt, but there's a couple of scary moments here in the match where Wade was saying, man, I'm worried about him. Are you watching this on a monitor? Did you see the bumps? Were you worried about Kurt? Or did you know whether it's the right thing to do or not? The dude's a machine. He's going to keep going. If, as a producer, as executive producer sitting in the truck, I don't think I've ever watched a match with Kurt and not, I don't say cringe. That's too much, but like, Ooh, that, he's that good. Yes. Or you can kind of say, man, he's taking, you know, just, and, and I'll say this. They tore the house down. Yes. But Kurt has a way. And it sometimes it's, you know, if you're going to go 30 with Kurt or 25 or 20, the last five to seven are really good. Go back and watch this halfway through. Once they kind of got out their opening spots and all the kind of story, all the wedding and the ace young and the uh, everything that's kind of, I don't say the magic of the business is all wiped away. There wasn't a person in the building. He was rocking and I can remember sitting and I've done this a lot on, on all kinds of shows. Uh, you just kind of watch and you go, okay, they're alive. And the people are, are absolutely dialed into this a thousand percent. And I don't say it saves the show because you know, you, you can't put it all on that, but the people were alive. They were so into the drama of the last five to seven minutes. A really good stuff. Wade would write at one point when AJ did the dive over the top and landed with his right leg on Kurt's neck. And then Kurt's head hit the concrete. I was afraid of a serious injury. He worked the next day, but he needs more time off. The worst thing is in the last two months when mired in the repetitive and currently planned never ending feud with his wife, nobody has lost more steam than angle. It's a major long-term program and perhaps the payoff will be worth it. But thus far it's presenting him in a way that means no money. I think that's kind of a fair criticism because I mean, this is a WrestleMania main eventer and I know we got to have story, but we're presenting him in this seemingly several months long story about his wife and not about winning championships. Was Kurt ever frustrated with the creative or was he on board for it? And cause I could, I could understand like if Wade is saying, Hey man, it feels like it's repetitive and a never ending feud. If Wade feels that, I'm wondering, do you think Kurt felt that? I'm sure we all, not just Kurt, I'm sure we all did. I go, man, again, Conrad, that monthly pay-per-view churn. God, that sounds like such an excuse because that, that's, but it, but it's a reality and we all kind of dealt with it. Being in the room and understanding, Kurt, you've probably got five guys on our roster that you can draw money with. Let's not burn through AJ in one event let's stretch this out well how do you stretch this out okay create a love story a love interest you know that kind of stuff um but absolutely i mean it happened to kurt throughout his run you know because he could have such a good match with the same person month after month maybe a in a, in a way a, a a downfall yes having a great match with the same guy three months in a row but Again, you kind of go back and look at that roster, the guys in the world heavyweight title picture. You know, we had Joe and ju just the different folks, but um, 
the monthly churn of putting out pay-per-views, the ebb and flow of either having patience or burning through opponents was the never ending juggling act. So yes, I'm sure he was frustrated. Let's talk about our main event. Samoa Joe is going to retain in this King of the mountain. He gets a win over Booker T Christian Rhino and Robert rude. The rules are if you score a pin, you're eligible to take the belt and climb a ladder and hang it kind of like a reverse ladder match. The guy who was pinned is then put in a penalty box for two minutes and became a TNA specialty, but TNA has failed to get any of its gimmick matches over to the point. They're like elimination chamber or hell in a cell. Ultimate X is at least over in half of all the TNA fans know the rules, but it's not like it adds anything extra. The finish saw Booker grab the belt and hit Nash, Rhino, Joe, Rude, and Christian. He was climbing when Nash came in and powerbombed Booker off the ladder. This was the spot to give Booker the valid complaint that he had won the match if it wasn't for Nash. Rude then climbed, but Joe gave him a jumping kick, then a muscle buster to pin him finally making him eligible. And then Joe gets the belt, climbs the ladder and wins good match. The only problem is the TV King of the mountain match that airs a few days earlier was actually better. So both Wade and Dave go at three and a half stars and Dave would write. The good news is TNA's booking has done a good job of building a confrontation that is leading to a world title match. I don't know if it's bad news, but that match is Samoa Joe versus Kevin Nash. When it will take place is unknown, but the company's major show of the year is bound for glory. It'll be the company's Chicago debut at the Sears Center on October 12th. They've been wanting to do a pay-per-view in Chicago for a year. It's a long time to hold off because the match is almost as ready as it'll ever be. The next pay-per-view is in Houston on July 13th, where that's Victory Roads. That'll be Joe versus Booker T, where you'd expect Booker to be cheered wildly because of his being local. He'll probably be the top draw on the show. The show also includes the World X Cup Finals, which the last word was going to be two different multiple-person gimmick matches. So, yeah, you're talking about that monthly churn. You're trying to serve two masters here. I got to get ready for next month, and I got to get ready for the big one a few months down the road. Overall, though, this show, while you didn't love it, and I don't think it necessarily holds up, it got 61% thumbs up in The Observer. Amazing. That's, That's not the real story. The real story... Is what happens after the show. Boy. Dave Meltzer wrote, one man was killed and another was seriously injured as they were breaking down after the show. Kevin Sinex, a crew member brought in from Orlando, was working on breaking down a metal backdrop and taking down the lights about 25 to 30 feet off the ground when the scaffolding collapsed and he was killed. Second worker from the Memphis area, Paul Martin, lost his thumb in the accident. He was standing on some kind of beam, taking down the lights when the beam collapsed, said DeSoto County coroner, Jeff Pounders to the Memphis commercial appeal. The accident took place around 11:20 PM, some 25 minutes or so after the pay-per-view ended, almost everyone had left. There were maybe five wrestlers left and they heard a large crash when going to the scene. It looked terrible with a lot of blood everywhere and people attempting to revive Sinex, who was 45 through both CPR and shocking but it appeared there was no way he could be saved. He was rushed to the hospital and they couldn't revive him. Dixie Carter had already left for the UK to do advance work on this week's tour. So she made no statement, but it left the crew extremely depressed going into television the next two days. Jeff, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this show, hooting and hollering and talking about nonsense and 
should this guy have won? Should that guy have won? And what order should we do this? And was that a right call? And why didn't they fix that gear? You never, I mean, almost never hear about someone losing their life at one of these shows. And, and even more tragically, it's someone we never got to meet. It's someone who helped make this show happen and make it possible. Those unsung heroes behind the scenes. And at one of the events, we lose a guy, man, this, this is unbelievably sad and tragic. You were there. Tell us what you remember about that day. It was, I mean, Conrad, you know, I'll never forget. And when I heard 1120, I felt like is a little bit, but maybe not because the hotel that we were staying at was, I mean, it was real close, but I had just gotten back and we were going to meet downstairs to eat. And I'd walked in, in my room and I had opened my first beer and I got a text come to the building now. I'm just like, what? And Conrad, I mean, you just, okay. You know, start. Okay. Let's go. Uh, slick Johnson. I said, Hey dude, uh, meet me at the car. Uh, okay. And then I said, let's go. And you just never can imagine kind of walking into that. And we were just there and it was, uh, it's the entrance and how to beams. And I won't kind of get into all that just, but how he fell and, and it, it just Conrad, you just really, I don't say live in a, a nightmare, but it's just like, what? And it, I mean, in that building and look, the, 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 the loadout had to start back up. You know, it, it's, it, 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 it's just, and I mean, yeah, Conrad, it, it's, it's, uh, and I've always had a respect or a soft spot or a sweet spot for production folks, you know, back in the day when I bro broke in, it was whoever pulls the ring, you know, son go try to have a wrestling show without a ring. The ring crew are equally as important as the main event, you know, those kind of lessons, but the folks that hang our lights, make the audio work, make the sound work, make the screens work. Uh, the folks who might just be pulling cable might just be this, you know, quote unquote, the smallest, the most insignificant, or however you want to kind of table that. It's all a crew and, and, you know, talent that gets there, I'll say late and leaves early and does their match and won't even watch other matches. You put it in context to the guy who is there on the load in and sometimes up 18 hours or 24 hours or whatever, and they're on the load out. And one of those guys to lose their life 
I mean, tragic is not the word, but just the, 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 the feeling, but that's what I said when I, and I knew this was the event when I started into research, the, the show just didn't hit on all cylinders, but this obviously over just, it just it put everything in perspective and, and, and I'll just say this, wrap it up. But the feeling we had as a, I'll call it a TNA family production wrestlers, staff, the folks in Orlando that didn't come up at universal studios. We all, it, it was the family, one of the family, those tapings, what a somber situation that was and i you know with the owen situation but you 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 know you say okay the the kind of the show must go on and you have to pay your respects and all that but there was a real uneasiness not so much that we didn't want to do the shows when we got to orlando but man the reality of how quick and sudden pay-per-views over everybody's running a thousand different things and a mishap Conrad, it was a, it was a, it was a, a day that I would like to forget, but I never will. It's, um, you don't hear about stories like this very often. Jeff, did you, did you know him personally? Not as well as I knew Keith Mitchell and you right. know, all that, but sure. I mean, when you kind of talk about the crew, of course you knew the crew. Uh, okay. And, and at this stage, we'd been in Orlando a couple of years. So there were certain folks that we use local, like we always do, but also you know, the, the guys who knew the show, it's like, Oh yeah, I know the show. Um, it just sucked. It really sucked. It does suck, man. I, uh, I wish we were going to end the show on a high note. It's hard to get really excited. You know, and, and it often puts things in perspective. You know, we're sitting over here debating the merits of this show one way or another. And, you know, was it three stars? Was it four stars? And it really puts it in perspective. Like, Hey, does it matter? You know, there's more important stuff. And you and I are, uh, recording this on father's day. I hope you had a happy father's day. And, and I know that this is your first father's day without your dad. And I know we like to talk about what's important with wrestling and what matters and where the truth is really none of it matters. Nobody will one day talk about the legacy of you or your family and, and talk about silly wrestling stuff. Um, or at least I hope not, because that's not what really matters. So thoughts and prayers, uh, to you and your whole family today. I know this is going to be the first father's day you've had without your dad and I only, uh, take a little bit of solace in knowing that whatever frustration and anger and hurt and disappointment you may feel, you'll get to take out on Mark Briscoe's head this Wednesday night. Right on. You know, um, and, and just take his ass in honor of your dad, you know, the concession stand brawl, one of his creations. So, there you so go. he passed away in February. So now we're four months, three, four, yeah. you know, it's, and, and just the natural part of life. And I can't tell you how many people, um, just last night, uh, two folks, the first time I'd seen them in a while, uh, gave, but I'm, I'm, I, I think I grieved at the right speed in the right process and everything, but Conrad, 
as it relates to little man, as they called my dad, I'm at a place that what a life he lived, what a legacy of, I mean, all kind of crazy stories, but the fun stuff, but the creative part, um, I mean, I can only imagine him. I mean, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, he would have loved to have seen this. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But the fact that today we talked about, what was it, 44 years this week? I yeah. mean, j just kind of the creative. That's what he loved to talk about. The, the territory was down. Hey, Lawler, we need to do something. Hey, what can we do? Well, we're in Tupelo this Friday. Hey, well, you know what they – you know how peculiar, because the people, the promoter in the building was very peculiar about his concession stand downstairs, and you didn't f with it. You kept it clean, and you did this, and you did that. Hey, we'll kind of halfway fight down there. Well, if we're going to do that, then Dundee. Oh, I wanted to just kind of the nature of our business and the collaborative effort, and out of it became a business. I mean, a, a, like like a a story. Like Angus, I mean, the, the crew member that passed away is a is tragic and it's devastating, especially to his immediate family. But it it's it's a part of it, and the reality is, it's a business. It's 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 that's not subjective. That's where I'm, I'm trying to get there, Conrad. That part isn't subjective. The business is creative subjective. The business is not subjective. It's it's what we do day in and day out to provide for our families. The fun part that my father love to talk about was the collaborative effort and and you know the old saying now dad why would you do that his response was son why not let's do this damn concession i can just hear him and lawler talking about all this and latham and ferris and oh we're gonna do this anyway i say all that to say folks i hope everyone and as they're listening to this had a fantastic father's day and they celebrated and Look, you don't get the opportunity for a lifetime. So if you didn't tell your father or your uncle or your grandfather or your coach or your mentor, whoever played or plays the role of a father in your life, tell them thank you. It'll do more good for you than it does for them just to get a little gratitude out and tell them you love them because you don't get that opportunity forever. Tell them that. And, you know, me having the opportunity to go in there to win trust arena beat briscoe's ask he's gonna get a good old-fashioned memphis last outlaw whooping and uh i can say this i think my old man would be good with it i'll do it in honor of him i'll throw a couple of live rounds and walk the dog with him and strut all over his ass get my are you suggesting that the Tupelo concession stand brawl was born out of attempt to rib the local promoter who was particular about the concession stand. There's, there's definitely a, like at the end of the day, you know, my dad, you know, it was about business. We got it. Yeah. We've got to pop the tear. You know, we, we've got to do something folks and the Lance Russell folks, if, and, and we'll put it on social media and I won't, if you're go to it, uh, Conrad will give the plugs, but it's at my world pod or at real Jeff Jarrett, whatever, but listen to Lance Russell's nuances as they, they go from the in-ring content 
to you had to go downstairs uh, you know go out in the in the back but the cameraman had to go downstairs lance was watching from a perch listen to the nuances but yes conrad a part of the whole deal was the promoter who ran every friday night in tupelo he ran a business well boys will be boys hey let's go screw up his concession stand and have a wild ass fight and um it popped the territory and good business, but that, and I, I say all this and I put a bow in it. That's why my dad literally considered when he was in the rest of business, never worked a day in his life. He loved that creative aspect too. Don't ask me, don't say why say, why not? I want to mention that, uh, you, you called him Angus earlier. That was Kevin Sinex's nickname. And if you go to Angus, S I N E X.com, there's still a tribute page there. No way. Friends and family celebrating his life. And, uh, I think it would have been a cool thing. And I don't know what all the legalities were, but I hope one day maybe there can be some sort of like award for people who work behind the scenes, the production people, the people Ooh. who we don't see. Yeah. And we could honor him, uh, and, and his name. I mean, he literally gave his life to making sure that we saw the type of wrestling shows we enjoyed. So go check it out. Angus Sinex.com. That's a N G U S S I N E X.com. We'll make sure we put it in the show description as well. Wow. Okay. Uh, but go check that out and, and pay homage and learn a little bit more about him. And, um, it's not every day you hear a story like this. And I'm sure a lot of you, when you click this episode, you didn't think this is what we would be talking about. It happened after the show, but we wanted to talk about it at the end because it's not our typical grab ass type conversation, but, uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in and I appreciate Jeff, you giving us so much time today. And, uh, I like Mark Briscoe, but I hope, uh, he leaves covered mustard on Wednesday, hurting pretty good. Put a couple of pretzels where the sun don't shine. Maybe a hamburger, maybe a hot dog, popcorn, peanuts, and Cracker Jack since I'm in Chi-Town. I'm not going to break my shot down street, Conrad. That's just no, no. Take that to the, take that to the house. My friend. Let's also remember we're raising money. Uh, we're having a lot of fun talking about Eric Bischoff, but serious business cut Eric's hair.com. Make a donation to St. Jude's, uh, the highest winner. Yes. They get to shave Eric's hair, but Hey, it's tax deductible. It's for a great cause. Let's help some great kids out. Cut Eric's hair.com. That's where you make your donation. Then just take a screenshot and post it to social. Use that hashtag cut Eric's hair. Highest donor gets to cut Eric's hair this weekend. Of course, this weekend you can catch Jeff. Uh, he's going to be, uh, I'm sure on Wednesday, whooping up on Mark Briscoe rampage is Friday. Collision is Saturday. Forbidden door is Sunday. Somehow top guy weekend is here as well. It's all happening in Huntsville. Um, we're, we're going to post some stuff, uh, talking about the Memphis stuff over on social. It's at my world pod on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram. Of course, you can also keep up with the show on YouTube, my world on youtube.com and find all of Jeff's new swag at box Jeff, I appreciate the time today. I'm looking forward to another my world next week. And I can't wait to hang out this weekend. And we're both going to see, uh, Eric Bischoff bald. How about that? I can't wait to see the cue ball, but Conrad, you give me a little treat folks. I know it's too late now. But the surprises that are going to be rolled out this weekend yes, will make, I, I mean, 
they're going to make for some great social media content. I just I don't know what we can and can't show. I, that's why I'm trying to walk this fine line. But the I'm not sure either because there's so many. That's I, but it, but politics in play. But it will be all the fence about becoming a top guy. I'll just say that if you're on the fence, you are going to kick your own self in the ass so hard for not being there this weekend. We start a new tradition this weekend <laughs> at Top Guy Weekend, and we'll be back next week to talk all about it right here on My World. Peace. Double J, Jeff Jarrett, here to tell you a little bit about the nonstop savings happening over here at SaveWithConrad.com. Are high credit card balances holding you down on the card? If you're looking to give a guitar shot to your credit card debt or give your home the push it deserves with some upgrades and remodeling, you need to go to SaveWithConrad.com. That's right, SaveWithConrad.com. Conrad and his team are routinely helping my world listeners save five, six, seven, even $800 a month. Oh, did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? Take a cue from The Last Outlaw, because if anybody knows how to get the bag, it's me. Strut on over to SaveWithConrad.com today and see how much money you can save for free. That's right. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.